Hello, and welcome to episode 19 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. And today is Tuesday, July 9th, 2019. A big thank you to all of our listeners, old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. How are you, Courtney? Just fine. Happy midsummer. Oh, it is. Flying by. And it's freezing cold out. Of course it is, because we're in San Francisco. It's 61. It's not freezing. but It's not warm. No. We have lots to chat about. Away we go. Vacation does amazing things for for my book reading and knitting and all that. So we will be discussing On the Needles, On the Easel, On the Table, On the Nightstand. We're going to do a mid-year check-in of our um, 2019 goals. And then at the end, we'll uh, talk about the bingo. Have you so, made progress? Well, we'll save it, but... We'll save it, but yes, well, yes, Good. vacation. I vacation is amazing. Good. I can't wait to hear about it. So, on the needles, um, I wanted to start off with a quick mention of our support for Ravelry and their new policy. Um, we're not primarily a knitting podcast, and we don't, as a podcast, have a presence on Ravelry, so I wasn't going to say anything about it, but not saying anything felt like siding with the bad guys, so I just wanted to it out there that we do support their new policy and uh, hope that everyone listening to the podcast and chatting with us feels welcome and a part of our lives. Absolutely. I've done a lot of knitting because I was on vacation. My mom's hat, finally done. Third time was a charm. This is the one I started off with the Riley Rose hat pattern and made a very poor yarn choice and so it did not work. (laughs) So I switched to the Stash Busting Helix hat by Jessica Rose. My plan for that, because I had some leftover DK weight yarn from the cowl that I had made her, and so I wanted to incorporate that because it's a beautiful colorway, the Hubbard Glacier colorway from Desert Vista Dye Works. It's kind of blues and greens and grays, and these lovely stripes, so I wanted to incorporate that. So I thought I would use that for the brim of the hat, because I didn't have a ton of it left. And then I'd pull in some other colors of yarn. By brim, do you mean cuff or does it have like a... Like oh, a... cuff, I guess. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't stick out. Okay. Um, just the, the band around your forehead. So I had some leftover yarn that I'd used in my dad's hat. I had some uh, kind of a dark teal. I had gray. I had whites. I had lots of things I could use. So I did the brim and had these lovely stripes. And then the hat pattern, this is a free pattern, so I'm not giving away anything secret but you you start with a color and you knit about halfway around and then you pick up another color you put in another color and then you put in a third color and then you pick up the first one so it does this cool striping effect but they're not straight stripes they kind of swirl a little bit Mm -hmm. so i got i don't know halfway through the body of the hat and it just looked it's too many stripes It it wasn't working more like a toddler hat than a it was yeah an elegant mom hat exactly yeah so ripped it all out again but uh, the yarn weight was working i know it's a hat it doesn't take me that long really. it's like a knife to my heart when you <laughs> rip but this is this i mean i got to use the yarn again it's lovely yarn i got to keep knitting with it so i ended up i took teal yarn dark teal um and i think it's plucky knitter primo dk in poppycock based on going through my old projects and trying to figure out what this yarn was. Um, so I used that for the brim and then incorporated in the Hubbard Glacier and then a Cascade Superwash in Silver Gray that I had in my stash. So I feel like I need to use it up. And that worked great. You can't see the striping of the original yarn that I wanted to use, but it ends up with these lovely bright pops of the light teal. So. And then the rest of it's all gray. And Have you photographed it yet? I have. It's on my Ravelry page currently. I don't think I've posted it on Instagram, but it's definitely on my Ravelry page. And I got to use the hat, um, the head (gasps) form, finally, that you gave me. Awesome. Is that from the art sale? Yeah, when I did the, um, the big art supply sale for our school back in May, there was, there were a bunch of drawing forms and I set aside this giant, but it's it, it's kind of amorphous. It's definitely a head, but it doesn't have facial features. And right. it maybe just has like a suggestion of an ear. 
it's definitely a head form and I saved it aside for Monica because it was it's perfect for putting her hats on. <laughs> it is. It, it might be really a little great. it's the head is bigger than your head for sure. It's like a man-sized head. Yes, that is true. But, but it worked fine. But it's still good for photograph. Yeah. I think that's the only thing I finished. I'm still working on my Flax Light by Tin Can Knits in the Gage Dye Works yarn and the Whiskey in a Teacups colorway. That is the one with the rainbow at the top. It's just a basic raglan sweater. And then kind of a, I keep saying gray, it's basically gray. It's got a little hint of blue in there. So I've been working on that. And then I started a cowl, my Alaska cowl, because that trip is coming up quickly, so I needed to work on that. The yarn for that is Desert Vista Dye Works again, uh, DK, in the Ketchikan colorway, which is based on the town of Ketchikan in Alaska. So if you've ever seen a photo, there's reds and yellows and teals and blue and white, and it's very bright and cheery. So the pattern I picked for that one is actually a hat pattern called Michelle by Sarah Punderson. And I've made this hat before. Um, and so you just do a, a brim, you know, I think it's just a ribbed brim. And then it involves rows of slip stitches. So what you get kind of every fifth or so stitch, there's a row of, it looks like a line that's popped out. So I thought that would be cute to go with the stripes. It wouldn't distract from it too much, but you would sort of notice it and it would be a little more interesting than just fitting in a circle. So I've been working on that. I worked on it while watching the Women's World Cup and watching the kids play soccer while we were camping. So Fun. I'm chugging so along on that. Will it be ready for Alaska? Or are you going to knit yourself a thing straight through up to the trip? I might, yeah, I might be. <laughs> I mean, I'm about halfway done. So if I have to, I can knit on it our first couple of days at sea. So yeah. I won't need it till we actually get to Alaska, I think, more or less. That'll be the important time to be done with it. So, although I guess they're having a heat wave up there too. Got like 90s. Climate or... change, yeah. I'm telling you. So, it's supposed to be done, but I will get a picture of all of us in our Alaska cows no matter what oh, is yeah. my plan. And then I also started my four-day sweater, finally. Um, I'm about done with day two in terms of knitting. I've been counting my hours um, uh -huh. instead of doing it on a daily basis. So that pattern is the Foxtrot Cardigan by Marie Green. I ended up using the Madeline Tosh Farm Twist in Tarte, which is this amazing red, so dark and lovely and oh, it's great. So it's a cardigan, it's an open front cardigan with a lace pattern on the body. I have finished, I've gotten through the final repeat of the lace. So now I have to start on the bottom ribbing and then I've got sleeves and a button band and collar. And I've got another two days, time-wise, so we'll see how that goes. I'm hoping to finish it before we go on our cruise, but we'll see. In between all the packing and... Yeah, it's hard to fit in a big project, right? Yeah. But it's real. It's a great pattern. It's really fast. She takes you pretty much line by line for what you need to do. The chart's really simple. Once you get it started, it, I found it easy to memorize. I don't really need to look at the pattern. So it's gone really quickly. And lace is always fun because it's usually something different on every every row so you feel like you're making progress and everything's a little different and so yeah so i've been enjoying that any other knitting monica not knitting exactly but the best husband in the world or at least one of them because i assume yeah mine is the best well, they're tied for first <laughs> um he was in europe again and he found and he won't tell me how he found her so i'm very intrigued a jewelry designer in london who knits with metal and makes jewelry. So he brought me earrings and a necklace that have a knit silver, it doesn't look like yarn, but a knit silver wire. wire yeah. yeah. Into a ball shape. Um, so the necklace is just on a, a chain and then the earrings are just on, you know, kind of dangly. So it was so cool because he, you know, gave it to me and I opened it and I was looking going, wow, this looks like it's knit. And then he said, oh, can, you know, this, I found this designer and she knits the metal, and we were talking about, you know, which one would be good for you, and it was That's really cool. That's so thoughtful. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. They're very pretty. Her name is Danny Reese, R-I-E-S, um, and we'll put a link to her website in the show notes. But oh, that's some, very cool. Some cool stuff on there. 
Yeah, and that is all the knitting. So what is on the easel? Well, the easel has a gigantic project right now. I am doing a line drawing of El Capitan for a friend's whose son is having his bar mitzvah. He wanted El Capitan with his name and his Hebrew name and the date. And so I've been working on that, but it's big. It's a huge challenge to work big for me, but it's been really fun. I've done a lot of sketches and... And what is El Capitan for those that oh, might not Oh, sorry. Know? El Capitan is a, a granite rock... <laughs> basically, in Yosemite Valley. And it is famous for its majesty, first of all. And second of all, people climb it. And I think the movie Free Solo? Yeah. Was, well, that's a free up. solo climb, well, yes, which is most people don't all do that. kinds of hair raising. But a lot of people, it takes like a week at mm-hmm. least to climb the face of El Capitan. And it's in the valley along with Half Dome. And it is kind of a west coast symbol of endurance and fortitude and you know achieving a goal that kind of thing so i think this is it's a beautiful metaphor for his completing his bar mitzvah or being i don't know what the exact tense would be for that but and so i've been working on that project large scale normally when i draw i draw on a flat table not um not on the wall you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's usually flat, and so I'm looking down at it. And so I've had to completely shift and put it up on the wall to take in the composition and make sure that the perspective is right and to get the shadowing and all of that, and then put it back down and draw it. And I could draw on the vertical, but it just doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, it'd probably be more tiring as well. I don't know, because I paint... Oh, oil okay. on the vertical. Oh. It's just a different it's a different process, which is so good for my brain. And then last night I'm getting ready to shift and put it onto the water. I'm transferring my sketches onto the watercolor paper, which I'm doing with pattern tracing paper that I use for sewing. Because oh. it's kind of transparent. I traced over my original sketches on cheap paper or whatever. And then it picks up a little bit of the graphite. And so then when I trace back over it on the watercolor paper, it'll leave like really faint outlines. And so I'm just doing the mountain face and some key pitches Mm -hmm. in the face of the mountain. And then my tree line and the other ridge lines from the, the background mountains. And then I'll go over the whole thing with ink. So I'm nearly there. So it's just going to be an ink drawing, not a It's just going to be an ink drawing. And okay. then what they're going to do, I'm going to do a little bit of shading. It needs it just for dimension. But then as a part of his uh, reception after the ceremony, each family member is going to do a thumbprint. Oh, wow. And so they're going to thumbprint in the face of the mountain. And then maybe the sky, too, with blue. So grays and browns on the face of the mountain. And then the the sky. Oh, that's amazing. So that's been a huge behind the scene project and I haven't really shared it because it's been sketches and it has his name on it and I don't Mm want to share that. And then I have a house commission that I totally failed. I have some great failures this week. (laughs) I painted a house commission. The house is like a buttery yellow and the way that it's shaded, it looks, it's really dark. You know, just the way that the light was hitting it. And so I just didn't get the shadow color right. And it looks dirty. (laughs) And so the drawing was great, though. So now I need to sort of redraw it and repaint it. The, The wheels came off that cart a little bit. And I have four more chromatics to do and I'm done 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 so I'm actually trying to finish the chromatics before I go on my trip the black it's really interesting I have two two different kinds of black pigment in gouache like a lamp black and a mars black they're both really black you know there's a way to mix black with a bunch of different colors like all of the primaries basically Mm -hmm. or like a 
I like to do red and green and then like an indigo blue to really darken it. And that's what I've been using for the base color and then bringing in and then saving the black black for the darkest parts of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's been a real challenge to paint the dark things, but yeah. so fun, like way more fun than I had anticipated. I have a great closing image idea for the chromatics and then and then I'm just going to paint um <laughs> whatever the heck you want. Whatever the heck I want for the time that we're traveling and that will be things like little landscapes or I don't know. Yeah. That'll be a good way to reset everything mm -hmm. and just kind of come back fresh. Although yeah. I'll have to come back and finish the house and finish El Capitan, but that's okay. But yeah. That'll be good. Yeah. So that's what's on the easel. Thanks for asking. All right, on the table. Not too much for me because we were on vacation and they feed you three times a day at the camp we went to, which was awesome. The best part of it. Actual, actual vacation. And so, your boys love it. And yes. I mean, everybody's happy. It was great. Yeah. I made Nathan's ribs, though, before we left. No way. So good. The, You're going to um, have to tell him. I forgot about that. Yeah. The um, recipe, we posted the link. The dry rub? The dry rub. But I followed that recipe. Okay. Um, I did not rinse it in vinegar, as you suggested, because I think I was rushing around, and that just seemed like one step too many. <laughs> but yeah, the slow cooking, they were super tender. The Yeah, the rub was delicious. Great. Not too spicy. So yeah, so it was just me and my two boys, because husband was in Europe, so we had our meat and gluten fest. So that was, that was meaty. <laughs> meaty and delicious. And then last night I made hot spaghetti and cold tomatoes. And I realized as I was making it that this is, has become an heirloom recipe for my family. Started making it, gosh, probably over 30 years ago. We got it from a recipe book that my high school put out. And like they have all the oh family like as a fundraiser. I have tons of those. Yeah. So, and there's a bajillion versions of this recipe out there now. I've seen them. I've so never heard of it. Oh, really? So it's, um, it's a great summer recipe as well. So you use fresh tomatoes and you just chop them up. And this one you mix with parsley and green onions, garlic, because it was from the late 80s. It involves dried oregano, which, you know, I always have around. <laughs> so I throw that in there. You could probably use fresh salt and pepper and olive oil. And you let it marinate for an hour or so. And then you throw um, hot spaghetti, like you cook your pasta, throw it in there, add some Parmesan. So you've got that contrast of the hot, and it's not cold, it's room temperature, but it's not yeah. not a cooked sauce at all. It's delicious, and we always, we make it a ton, like mom makes it. Super easy. Hot spaghetti, cold tomatoes. Cold tomatoes, yeah. And I've seen them with, like you could put fresh mozzarella in there. Is um, this similar to, instead of pasta, could you do bread and do the bread salad, the panzanella or whatever it's called? Do you know that? Sure. Um, I do. We never make it because bread. But yes, yeah. I am aware. Sorry, I walked into that. that is one, one. No, that is one of those things that I think gluten-free bread would not work well for. Like most things you can kind of... Does it absorb like regular bread? It's just usually not as thick and chunky. I oh. think part of panzanella is... Oh no, I guess it's the stale bread. Yeah. I just don't feel like it would have the same okay. texture. I haven't tried it. Maybe someday. Sorry for the tangent. No. So it's usually like a fresh tomato sauce or, you know, if you're searching for an example. And there's, there's nice. a lot of them, but it's delicious. And then, you know, less cooking involved, which is good. Which is always good. Yep. And um, I made s'mores while we were camping. Delicious. So good. I love <laughs> s'mores. Um, My family sometimes makes them with Ritz crackers instead of graham crackers so that you get that little bit of salt. Interesting. Yeah, wrap your head around that. It's good. <laughs> no, I can yeah, no, the salt thing I could see. It's interesting. There's some version, like, people always try and mess with s'mores, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's just not right. The Ritz crackers are a wonderful departure for that little bit of, of salty. Yeah, I could see that. You have to be careful, I feel like, with the artisanal marshmallows. marshmallows? Yeah, it doesn't work. No. Didn't we try that? We Camping? did ages ago. Yeah, and it was everyone was like, yeah, they weren't melty enough, I think. Something was weird about them. Something was weird. You need the, the whatever it is. I'm okay with a chocolate upgrade, though. I'm not yeah. a milk chocolate fan, so 
if you wanted to find like even um you know the little Ghirardelli squares oh with caramel in them or something oh well that's that's a whole level of decadence <laughs> but just even just the dark chocolate yeah. ones oh, would be true. good or you could still use graham cracker and use um the lint um dark sea salt chocolate oh. instead of for that little elevated chocolate yes. with a little bit of salt yeah I'll have to try I don't again. know if I'm going to get a chance to campfire anywhere. Maybe maybe when we're traveling. I don't know. Otherwise, we'll because we can't do it. You can do it on your gas stove. <laughs> yeah, but that's not a bingo entry. <laughs> uh, close. That middle burner is a griddle. There you go. <laughs> you got it. Oh, and then Best Husband also brought me a cookbook from Denmark. Um, I think it's a little cafe. It's called Scanda Kitchen, The Essence of Huga. Is that how you pronounce it? Huga. Huga. Okay. How do we pronounce it? By Bronte Orell. And it's gorgeous. So many baked goods of deliciousness. Oh, yeah. Let's do a Scandinavian bake-off when I get home. Sure. There were many delicious things, most of which I was flipping through it, and I was like, hmm, honey, I can make you the mold wine. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, they're um, they love bread yeah, in Scandinavians, they were so and they amazing. also love cream. Yeah. Everything cream. Yeah. <laughs> there was an it looked kind of like an apple upside down cake, and her cafe I think adds a layer of pastry cream in there, which just sounded oh, fantastic. Yeah. And that I probably could do gluten free. It wouldn't be quite as amazing, but it would probably work out just fine. So this. The Scandinavians also do fika, which is like afternoon snack uh, with oh, like coffee yeah. or tea and your like shared treat. So we could do that sometime after our podcast and have a little nod yes. to the Scandinavians. I totally. Yeah. I meant to bring that book over so you could look at it because it's just Oh, I can't wait gorgeous. to see it. Yeah. And that's really all for me. I'm having an equally light cooking week. My guys just got back from their camping and they wanted spaghetti and meatballs upon arrival, which was nothing. I think I've talked about meatballs before, but while they were away, it, it's been chilly. So I did a, um, a chicken, braised chicken with potatoes and carrots and basically just a chicken stew, but I did it in um, the Dutch oven and just let it go for like three hours and it was really nice and I found a, a slightly different recipe for that because I wanted potatoes in it so I'll put a link to that and then my husband was down in LA and I am a like a real lightweight I don't really drink that much but when he was out with clients he wanted something and the bartender offered to make him something similar to a Manhattan, which is his family's signature holiday cocktail. And they mix it up well in advance and let it age. And Ooh. yeah, they do a, a mean Manhattan in this family. Nice. That's my winter cocktail, so I might need to well, invite myself this, over. This bartender had a summer version. Oh. The summer version is called a, a bijou. And bijou stands for three jewels, diamond, ruby, emerald. And so the cocktail is gin, sweet vermouth, and chartreuse. Gin mm. for diamond, chartreuse for emerald, and sweet vermouth, I guess, is supposed to be red. Mm -hmm. I don't know if wine is. And it's, it's in the red bottle as opposed to the, the white bottle. Or the red label. Right, the white right, label. right. And then a little dash of, he did a little dash of orange bitters. It was so... We never do this. We went, chartreuse is not cheap. No. We went out and found a small little thing of chartreuse and mixed ourselves an in-house cocktail like on a Wednesday night. And it was yes. so fun to just, for him to kind of bring home that recipe mm -hmm. and then for us to mix it up. So that was really terrific. And then remember last week I was talking about the mini frozen key lime pies yes i found a recipe excellent i mixed those babies up they are awesome and they are adorable my whole family loved them they're really fresh 
and light. There's no egg in them, which I had to kind of search around for one that didn't have egg. I think all the citrus is meant to cook, in air quotes, mm -hmm. the yolk, but I don't love the flavor of that. So I was really hunting for one that was egg-free. And I found one, and I'm so happy to share it. And what do you put it in to make a mini? So I have regular muffin pans, mm -hmm. and I have the jumbo muffin pan. Oh, okay. And because there's only four of us here, and I wasn't sure how much it would yield, and I only did a single recipe, I thought, I'll do it in the jumbo, plus I had jumbo muffin papers. So you mix up the base of it, which is cream cheese, sweetened condensed milk, all of your citrus, citrus juice and citrus zest, and a little bit of whipping cream. And that's the base. And then you mix up your whipped cream, whip the whipped cream with a little bit of powdered sugar and fold it in, kind of like the chocolate mousse pie, right. so that it has some lift to it. Right. And you pour that into the muffin papers, and then you press your graham cracker crust into the top of it and that way when you invert it mm. it's like the cutest thing ever so, so so cute it would be great to do that with the chocolate mousse pie too actually oh that would be super cute it would work for a fancy dinner uh-huh so did you find key limes or what did you nope, end up using? i used regular, regular limes and they were fine yeah. And if I find, if I see key limes, I will snap them up and totally make this recipe again. Probably needs twice as many. It calls for five limes, I think. I think I used three actual limes. It would probably take five or six key limes because I think they're I think smaller. They're smaller yeah. So that was my crowning achievement. Nice. But I have an epic failure. <laughs> Excellent. It was my mother-in-law's birthday. Um, I was in charge of strawberry shortcake. I was looking for a shortcake recipe that was a little on the lighter side because everybody wanted a lighter shortcake. Not quite a sponge, but not my usual decadent biscuit. So I found a recipe in the Fanny Farmer cookbook and I'm gonna throw Fanny under the bus because I don't know what I did wrong. <laughs> Mix this up, leave them on the counter. I did not taste test them. Oh. We had the berries, we had the whipped cream, we took them over there, served them up. Everybody built their own because some people don't like berries, some people don't want whipped cream, yada yada. I was the odd decisions, but <laughs> I was the last one to take a bite. I bit into the shortcake. It was terrible. Oh no. It, it was way too much baking powder, or I mixed baking powder with baking soda. I am willing to probably take that on because I bought it from Trader Joe's and they both come in a round mm. tin. So I could have made that mistake, but I don't think I did. Seems unlikely. You do a lot of baking. I do a ton of baking. Well, I bit into it and I immediately said, this is terrible. Why are you, <laughs> you know, there's 12 of us around the table. Right. My guys had eaten theirs. My husband ate his. My brother-in-law ate his. My mother-in-law didn't even notice. Like, nobody... Did they not think it tasted horrible? No, they or did. They, just... they didn't oh, okay. want to say anything. Oh, that's and I said, you guys, we can't eat this. This is horrible. And they were all like, oh, yeah, we didn't want to say anything. <laughs> and then my brother-in-law says, you know, you're going to... I get to tease you about this for the next yeah. 30 years. <laughs> So I am owning, this is my own PR mechanism. I am getting in front of the story. I own this. I made a mistake. In all, in the 20 years, I have been making tons yeah. of food for these guys. I make one slip up and I will never live this down. That's true. That is, that is how it goes. <sighs> so that. So don't mess with perfection. Th and that's what my mother-in-law said, was like, don't worry about making it lighter. We'll just eat less of it if it's... <laughs> yeah. You do smaller biscuits, maybe? I did... Um, and then your proportion's off. Yeah. Yeah. I, did, I usually do a drop biscuit oh, so that has butter and sugar and cream in it. Mm. This one only had cream, way less sugar. It didn't rise up as much. I... I don't know if I switched the baking soda for the baking powder, but it was inedible for me. I wouldn't. Yeah. 
my guys didn't have that problem, but clearly. So that is my oh, epic amazing. shortcake failure. Oh, lesson learned. I don't know, because I don't quite know what I did wrong, except yeah. that I won't use that recipe again, and I will not put a link to it. <laughs> well, maybe someone else can take it on or has done it and had success. Or I just need to go back to my original, very successful, delicious recipe. Oh, yeah. Well, obviously. Yes. All right. On the nightstand. Ooh, I'm going to try and keep it short because I have a long list here. Okay. I was on vacation. Middle Game by Shannon McGuire. Um, that one I had started last time. This is the fantasy one twins that have been created to take over the world. Oh, yes. So good. Whole thing was good. And they are... Like one is math leaning, one is yes, one is literally leaning. One is math, one is language. Their creator has also created other twins. They're trying to embody the doctrine, which is like everything in the world, and they can sort of control reality. And there's rules to what they can do, but like they can reverse time. And but there's other. They haven't fully embodied the doctrine yet. Whoever does that first sort of will run the world or have the power to do that. So there's other twins that are kind of battling them for the for the power. There's a little bit of a, a war going on, and they don't really know what's going on. So that's part of the adventure, but really good. Um, I really like her writing style. I like the story was good. It's very strange, but I really enjoyed it. And if that is kind of your thing, then I think you will, you will like that one. And that's part of a series. Correct? No, this is a standalone. Oh, okay. She has the Wayward Children series. They're ah, much that's right. shorter books, and they're all not exactly connected. They're not you. You could read any of them at and be fine. They're sort of individual stories, but all linked thematically, kind of. Um, but this one is a standalone, and it's longer, more of a book book and not a novella. And then I also finished the Three Body Problem by Sheshen Liu. Um, that was an audio book. And then I started this, that's part of a trilogy, and I started the second one, which is The Dark Forest. And I kind of wanted to talk about them together just because they are part of the trilogy. And this is the one, starts off in China during the Cultural Revolution, and there's a woman who, for her punishment, she can, she was a scientist before, and she can go to prison for eight years or become a scientist on as part of the secret project. But she doesn't know what it is, but she'll probably be there for the rest of her life because it's so secret. And then it jumps forward to now. Another scientist works in nanotech. He gets called in by the army to try and infiltrate this group of scientists. That's why they need him, because it's a very closed group. And he doesn't really know why the army is looking into them or what exactly he's supposed to find out. So it goes on from there, and the two stories connect, and then there's aliens. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and then, and, I, and, when so... I, and last time I hadn't gotten to the alien part. Um, and if you look at the description of the second and third books, you will see that... Yeah, you mentioned it. Very it's But part of the fun of the first book is that you have no idea what's going on. Like, they don't mention aliens until really far in there. Okay. So you have no idea what's going on, but it's clearly something. And the writing is, is good enough, and the, the other stuff going on, and the characters are, are interesting and well done enough that you kind of, that you want to find out what the heck is going on. So do you know what the three bodies are and why they're a problem? Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, so it's, this gets explained uh, maybe in the middle, but early enough on. There's a mathematical problem where if you have three, three bodies circling, the gravitational pull on them is wonky. And so one of, uh, you know, like solving a theorem kind of thing where you're trying to figure out, can you solve it mathematically? Uh, like, where will they go? Okay. Um, so that's... That's interesting. Yeah. And it's been translated, it seems to, I don't know if it's won awards, but it's definitely gotten a lot of international notice. I've definitely heard, maybe I've heard you mention it before, prior to last conversation, but... It's good. Okay. Uh, and then I read An American Marriage by Tayari Jones. Fabulous. <sighs> totally. Did you read this yeah. one? Yeah. We read it with my book group maybe last spring. Yeah. So good. I blew right through this. I was worried starting it because it is such a heavy topic. Yeah. But I thought it was just handled so well. Um, this is the story of an African American couple. They met in college. They're living the dream. They have a house. Careers are going along okay. 
and they're traveling, spending a night at a hotel, and he is accused of a crime that he didn't commit, sent to prison for 12 years, and they've been married like a year and a half, just kind of getting their life started. Um, And it's, you know, what happens to them and their marriage and their lives from there, and it's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking and beautiful. I mean, they felt, and this sounds kind of ridiculous, but like real people. Like a lot of times in dramatic books, I feel like the characters, they have some huge drama. There's a family secret and everything is heightened. And this is obviously a, you know, huge drama. But it, you know, because they felt like normal people with reactions that you could imagine. Like they felt like your neighbors. Yeah. Right. And and that was, I think, part of it. And they weren't perfect people. They weren't. Yeah. You know, they had issues before he went to prison. There wasn't a perfect marriage. So the reactions all felt really true. The ending was good. You know, it felt... Yeah, the whole book It wasn't, was really you know, a perfect, solid. ideal romance ending. But mm-hmm. it that one I really, really liked. And I think it won the woman's prize. I think that's why I went back and... Oh, okay. Picked it up. I read Circe by Madeline Miller, which you've read. I love Another Cersei. excellent, yeah. That was really fun. So it is a retelling of... Well, the Circe myth. She was the daughter of one of the Titans. Odysseus runs into her. Um, she's been banished to an island. She's a, a witch. And I didn't realize all her family connections. Oh, yeah. They're super inbred, those Greek. Well, that I knew. <laughs> Obviously. Um, and I knew a lot of the stories, but I hadn't realized they were all siblings, I just so. really appreciated hearing it from her perspective. I thought that was what was so brilliant right. about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's one it of my really favorites. Good. It was really good. Have you read her other book? I have. Is it the Achilles one? Was it? Is it called Achilles? Song of Achilles? Song yeah. of Achilles, yes. I can't say that it's as sparkling as mm-hmm. Circe was for me. I don't know. Her crisp telling of that is just amazing. And I feel like the Song of Achilles one is a little more grounded in, I don't know, the perspective is very interesting, but I, I don't know. I His story has been more told, probably. Uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely, I definitely enjoyed that one as well. And then I read The Space Between by Diana Gabaldon. Tell me everything, because this I've is... been watching Outlander. Oh. Did you read the books? No. And they're too big to take because I was going to pick them up Mm. and travel with them. They're really huge. They are big. So the Outlander series, the TV show, um, gosh, I've been reading them since they came out probably about 30 years ago or more. Anyway, Scottish, no, she's English, nurse, starts off right right after World War II has ended. 1945? Yeah. Or 1943? No, it's it's after the war because they're back. Okay. So she and her husband are taking a second honeymoon. They got married during the war to the Scottish Highlands to rekindle their marriage, get to know each other again. And she goes through a circle of stones 200 years ago, time travels, meets a Scottish lord. Uh, and Laird. Laird. Shenanigans ensue. And That's for sure. We are currently on the ninth book. What? Yeah. There's a lot of them. They're up to the American Revolution now. Ha! Don't it's tell me. Too complicated. And their uh, stars has done a TV show. I don't know. I'm watching it on... Oh, on Netflix. Netflix, yeah. yeah. Um, I had to get stars so that I could watch the TV <laughs> show, which is not appropriate for children. Heck no. Uh, not really appropriate for adults either in some of the instances. Yeah, I had to... It's, it's Game I of Thrones-esque to... in some yeah. scenes. So anyway, this one is a novella, and it kind of comes in between... No Jamie, no Claire. Those are the, the heroes of It's his nephew. Anyway, it's a cute little novella. Um, okay. With no time travel. And it takes place in Paris. So it's Jamie's stepdaughter. Here's voices, and she's worried about it. So she decides if she becomes a nun. Oh, so this is in the 1700s. So this makes sense. Um, she decides she's going to become a nun so that if she keeps hearing the voices, then there'll be people that she can talk to about it, and they won't think she's crazy. Jamie's nephew is escorting her to Paris because he works there. And, you know, shenanigans ensue. It was a very cute, sweet little story. Um, okay. Good for being on vacation after reading An American Marriage and Circe. Very light. Palette cleanser, we will go with. And then I read Cuckoo's Calling 
by Robert Galbraith, a.k.a. J.K. Rowling. So this is the first one. This is the first one of the series, the mystery series. Courtney has read all of them. The fourth? Well, four. yeah. Did you make it through the fourth one? I think so. Okay. Is it just fresh out? I just read the freshest one that came out. I think it's the fourth one because my sister was reading it and she had trouble getting through it too. She did not. She read all the first three, loved them. Yeah. Was having trouble getting through the fourth one. Okay. And I think you had trouble with it too. But yes, the first one, delightful. I mean, it's a murder mystery, so (laughs) (laughs) I guess I shouldn't quite call it delightful, but. But now that I'm four books in, is the chemistry as palpable in the first book as I want it? want to remember it do you feel like I think so yeah you can tell that like yeah this is what's gonna happen I mean I'm assuming I'm nothing has happened yet you're not saying no they're they're very good I know we've talked about some of these before but it's a detective series he's a war veteran um working as amputee yeah yep working as a private detective his girlfriend has just thrown him out so he's living in his office Things aren't going well. He has like one or two clients. One of them didn't pay and is sending him death threats. So he has a temporary secretary come in. He forgets to cancel the order for the temporary secretary. So this, the girl shows up and she's amazing. And she's always had it. She's just moved to London and she's always had a secret dream of being a private detective. And her fiance is obviously a jerk. And <laughs> although she doesn't realize it because he just proposed with a lovely ring. It's very cute. So she starts working for him and she's amazing. And she turns out to be helpful and they're investigating the suicide of a supermodel. Her brother thinks it wasn't suicide and comes to hire this guy because... Cormorant. Cormorant strike. Which I always confuse with Cormorant, the bird. Yes. No, I kept doing that too. So they start investigating and, you know, it's a pretty typical... Murder mystery. Murder mystery, but the yeah, the chemistry between them is cute. And it is kind of like... The Jackson Brody, and then there's also a lot of character development. He's going through a really tough time in his life, and you get some of his backstory, but not all of it, and and some of hers, and yeah. not all of it. Yeah, I do. I think that the character development is the selling point for this series for me. Mm-hmm. I adore these two characters. Yeah, they're very cute. Yeah, so that one was fun as well, and I'm looking forward to to reading. Although now I'm like, do I want to get involved? If book four is like, Rah! everyone seems to be not as into that one. I don't know. She has plans for 10. So yeah, I'll probably have to buckle up. <laughs> Realistically, I'm going to get involved. So yeah, I mean, I'm already involved. Yeah. So. All right. And then the two I'm reading right now, I started City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. It's fluffy. It's a woman in the 40s or woman right now looking back on her life, uh, New York in the 40s. She moves in with her aunt who owns a theater in off-Broadway. So it's all the, the crazy showgirl life. Um, I'm not terribly far into it because my copy of the new Kate Atkinson came into the library. So I had to start that one. Jackson Brody mystery. Is it gigantic? It's, uh, yeah, it's big. Like 500 not, pages? Probably. Not gigantic, but definitely a solid, solid book. So he is living in near Whitby, which is northern England on the east coast, I believe. Um, Seaside town. Um, He's working as a private detective. Weird stuff going on in the town. You start off with like kind of getting to know all the characters and you're not quite sure where thing is going. The kind of backstory of the town is there were two rich men that were running a child sex trafficking ring. (laughs) And... Wow. Very timely. But they were arrested and in prison, but there's always rumors of a third man. So it's not graphic in any way, but they're definitely talking about it. So there's, you know, secrets in the town and someone has just been killed. And so it's it's all going to come together. And one of the characters, Reggie, was in the last one. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's back. Delightful. I don't think they're going to get together. but So I'm just working my way through that, loving it. That's a good library haul. Are they both library books? All the, of these are the, library books, yeah. Okay. Or I guess the audiobooks are audible. So yeah, and I have to finish that before we leave because I have to return it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know. I and then a, the vacation reading decision. And the vacation reading. So I, well, I'll take a Kindle. So I un, uh, unpaused a bunch of things from my library list. And so hopefully those will come in and I'll have a, a Kindle full of books to, <laughs> to take with me. Fun. Yep. 
How about you? I finished Women Talking, the Miriam oh, good. Toes, toes, that I was very angsty about in our last mm-hmm. episode. And all I want to say is it's worthwhile. Okay. And if you're curious to hear more, then go back to the last episode and, and give it a listen where I talk. A the little. one where the women are talking about. This is the Mennonite. Yeah. I will, I guess I will say a couple more things about it. Part of the structure is that it's a transcript of these mm-hmm. women making a decision whether to stay in their community or to go. And there are consequences for either decision. In the end, the structure of the book really paid off. It was a satisfying read. So now I am reading a whole riot of things. I tried to order a bunch of poetry by our new poet laureate, Joy Harjo. She's our the first Native American U.S. poet laureate. Delightfully, our library, the wait list for her books is knee deep. But I was able to get her memoir. Mm which is the most poetically written memoir I've picked up in a long, long time. And it's a slim volume, and I'm nearly done with it. And it jumps around a lot. It's not incredibly linear. She's making connections between her life as a poet and her childhood growing up in a Native American community and how she picked language as her art form very early on along with music and how she hears music and language and the cadence and the language of her memoir are so poetic Mm -hmm. that I'm really I'm kind of happy that I'm reading this first because I think I'll approach her poetry a little bit differently so that's a really interesting memoir and what's that called crazy brave by Joy Harjo. I'm also reading another memoir called Old in Art School by Nell Painter. I'm not so far into that one, but she is a an artist and a, and a historian. And she's, I think, in her 60s. And she's gone back to art school. It opens with, you know, her introduction to all of her art school classmates everyone's like, how old are you? You know, and it's kind of mortifying for her. But she also, you know, one kid is like, that's awesome. So it's definitely an identifying factor for her. But she feels like in some ways it's a benefit. You know, she's showing them that you can do this at any age. And she's overcoming a lot of having been told that she cannot be an artist because she was first an academic. And so she's, she's working right now where I'm at and about a third of the way through, she's working at breaking down those stereotypes that have been ingrained in her for 60 years, her entire career. Mm -hmm. But it's also a really refreshing perspective on starting something new when you're not so new. So two memoirs, that's kind of weird. I also was in the thrift store, and this book, The Lightkeepers, a novel by Abby Jenny, I think is how you pronounce it. G-E-N-I. Yeah. And this is from 2016, and I picked it up because it had some birds on the cover, <laughs> and I, it's part of my, um, you know, our bingo was to read a used or borrowed book, and I, I don't know what drew me to this outside of the birds on the cover. But it's awesome. I meant to take it on the plane with me, and I'm 120 pages in. (laughs) It's so good. I can't put it down. It is about the Farallons, which are about 27. I had no idea. The Farallons are, um, they're islands off the coast of San Francisco. They're about 27 miles out. And it's a bird sanctuary, and it is a marine reserve. Like, you can't just go out there. Nobody lives out there. There used to be, a, or there is a lighthouse, and there used to be, there used to be houses to man the lighthouse, obviously, but now they use it for research. You know, teams will go out there. And there's a mystery. Like, something has happened, and I am totally enthralled, partly because 
it's the Farallons. It's right off our coast. And from the Farallons, you can't see California, even though we can see the oh. Farallons from here, because they're really tall and they're down low or they're around the backside of it. It's a whole little cluster of oh. islands. But it's, it is the most abundant shark territory on the western, the entire western coast. There's a small group of researchers out there in the book who are looking at, there's a couple guys who are looking at sharks, there's a, a couple people who are looking at birds, and this woman has gone out there to do some photographing, and something happens, mm. and it is... So it's modern times. It seems to be pretty modern. I haven't seen reference to like cell phones or anything mm. like that, but they don't have any technology out there anyway. You know, the yeah. boat comes once a month from the mainland with supplies and it's a rock on the edge of the ocean. Yeah. You know, it's for sure remote. And boy, is it, I don't know what it is about this book. I'm oh, completely cool. hooked. So reading that. So I don't know what I'm going to take for a vacation reading because I picked up a couple paperbacks and I'm reading them. <laughs> so I'm going to have to scramble because I didn't want to drag library books no. far, far away. No. And they're hardcover and heavy. Yeah, it's no good. But all four of us are taking different books. And so my sons will have their summer reading and we're sort of, we'll just sort of read each other's books. And so that was what I was I trying to do is make sure that we're all bringing something that the, the family can read. Right. So. Well, maybe someone else can pack that. Um, it's not totally appropriate oh, okay. for the boys, but yeah. we'll see. Yeah. So mid-year check-in, we talked about our goals, light goals, not even yeah. resolutions. Um, our first episode of 2019. So we thought we'd check in since we are about halfway through the year now. So one of mine was to knit sweaters. And I would say I'm on track. I've knit two so far. Um, I had the yoke sweater with the swirls and little bird out of lace. Ooh, totally different yarn types. Mm -hmm. And then I have two on the needles right now. So bravo. Yeah. And we're only well halfway through the year. And both of those should be finished. Well, ideally one of them will be finished in two days or at least 16 more hours. And then the other one is pretty far along as well. I think I had intended to finish my 7 8 sweater this year. But Still I don't know. <laughs> Still got <laughs> time. Um, and then I was going to do some... This one was a, p a potential because I do have my parents' 50th anniversary and our oh, that's right. 20th. And Simon's having a big birthday. So I was sort of thinking about big knitting and none of that has happened. So we'll see. There's still time. I had a goal to paint every day. And I have painted every day this year. Yay! That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I don't let myself go to sleep until I've painted, wow. even if it's just for 10 minutes. You know, there have been times when I thought, oh, no, I'm not doing it. But I drag myself in there anyway and just splash around a little bit. And it's always worthwhile. It is always worthwhile. Cool. I am struggling with sewing. I didn't finish my art pouch for this oh, trip. Oh, you didn't finish it well, it's self-drafted, and I have taken it apart more times mm. than I've sewn it, which isn't the most frustrating because you can still rework like it. Like ripping out the hat? It is, sort of. I don't know. I was hoping to finish that, and I may be able to, which means diving into it now and, and finishing it up. Yeah. I also have to say that it's been still a really fun process to draft something from scratch and just like make it fit even though I've taken it apart several times no I mean it was like that right I wanted it to be yeah to be right, right. so yeah. I was fine with if I didn't rip it out it wasn't going to be right I still have big plans for sewing clothes and maybe once we're back and the there no there's no big looming project maybe that will happen because yeah. you had the hundred days I mean that's been kind of a huge yeah it's been since April. I don't want to say time suck, but I mean, that was yeah, it's been where your energy was my going. Energy, yeah. yeah. But you did the cardigan? Did you do the black I cardigan? I did it. I did a black cardigan. I have a couple patterns at the ready, and I have fabric at the ready. In fact, I have Ooh. a pair of jeans right there, and Ooh. the purple is the pocket. Oh, that's going to be cute. I know, right? Yeah. I just need to do it. I think when you get back and... the And the reason why I've held off on that is because the denim is super fresh 
like out of the mill denim, meaning it's not distressed, it's very dark. But I saw a great tutorial about lightly bleaching denim so that it doesn't look as straight from the mill. And so I might try that, although that has a little bit of stretch in it and it doesn't quite work to bleach it. But I might need to wash it three or four more times okay. and then it'll be good. So the sewing will come. Cooking. Mm, I wanted to do more prep cooking. I've done it occasionally. I haven't really been focusing on it. Yeah. I have to think about that. I think it also might just be not how I cook. Yeah. Like, so you can't, you know, you kind of have to figure out what is going to work for you. And there have been times where I have focused on it and made it work and I've been happy about it. We'll see. It was interesting. I got a, because we had talked about prepping for the week, doing your menu planning and all that and what worked for us. And I am definitely a, you know, sit down once a week, plan everything out. I don't necessarily shop once a week. That never seems to quite work. But there was a cookbook that I got out of the library to test. I'm still kind of working on it. But she was, she had definitely been one of the, the big batch cookers. That was her thing. And then she realized she hated doing it that way. She's like, I can't. Like, this is destroying my weekend. This is not how I want to cook. Right. So she kind of changed everything up. And she would do a big shop for staples and then would really almost every day after work stop by the store and be like, all right. What do we have? I'm going to use up my broccoli and I'm going to grab some chicken. You yeah. know, so she was really going back to an everyday, simpler hmm. kind of thing. It was just interesting. And I was like, ooh, I don't want to go to the grocery store every day. But it worked for her. And like that was what made it fun and exciting and doable for her. So I think that's a large part of it. Yeah, it's all about finding the right balance. I yeah. mean, like right now, everything is up in the air. I think my goal for, for the year was... More vegetables. vegetables. Yep. We're in zucchini season. I mean, I don't, I can't tell you how many zucchinis I've eaten this week. And that part of it has been okay. I mean, I'm, we're definitely, oh, last night we ate an insane amount of spinach. So I'm good about it. I'm just not excited about it. Mm. <laughs> I, I'm still thinking of doing a produce box, maybe. And that might be something I need to look at again. Then the surprise of it will inspire me. Yes. But when I get 45 rutabaga... It's less exciting. It's less exciting. Yeah. So it's that... Yeah. The trick is finding a good one because I had one years ago that was great and it would have kind of some basics but would also have some surprises. Right. I liked that one that we had. Which is good. Oh, no. This was like in Seattle. Oh, okay. A long time ago. And then I got one here... That was good for a while, and then it just started really getting routine. So it'd be potatoes and carrots and spinach, and potatoes and carrots and spinach, and potatoes right. and carrots and spinach. And I can pick those up at the market exactly. and get the right and quantity. And yeah. yeah, so I'll have to figure that out. It would be good, but, you but there's the there's the other produce box that I keep seeing around the city. The one with the ugly produce. Oh yeah, yeah. Which doesn't bother me. No. In fact, I bet it might have some really good drawing mm-hmm. potential. You know, to get. <laughs> Which is a different consideration. Right. An ugly rutabaga. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Just not 40 of them. Right. So I might still look into that for the yeah. fall. but So if anybody is local and has a recommendation, feel free to throw that in the yeah. episode post on Instagram. And we can have a chat because we have tried a couple different produce boxes yeah. locally. And that's San Francisco Bay Area. And then books. Um, we were looking for reading challenges. I feel like we came up with our own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of cheated on that. And then I was thinking I would work my way through the women's prize for fiction list. So I've gotten, I know I had read one of them. Oh, I had read Milkman already. And Circe and American Marriage were both on there. So I need Great. to circle back to that. Uh, yeah. I do feel like I've been reading a greater variety within my own comfort circle. So still fiction, historical fiction, fantasy, sci-fi kind of things, but trying to branch out to some new authors. And Mm -hmm. so I don't know if my breadth and depth have expanded as much as I was hoping. Although recently I do feel like I've, I've been exploring different genres. I'm a little, I think I'm, I'm not quite where I thought I would be in terms of how, how, much volume Mm -hmm. I'm reading but I have been painting so much and maybe that will edge off a little bit and and my do you think you've read a book a week what week is it I'm on 40 like 40 books right now 
Oh. Or 38 Well, there's only 52 weeks. So. I know, but I'm terrible at numbers. What are, what week are we at? We've, we're at like 30. I don't know, well, if there's 30. 52 weeks and we're about <laughs> halfway through the year, so like 26. Okay. So you missed, yeah. I'm at, I think, 30, 38. Oh. Well, you're definitely, you're good. It's not so much about the number. It's just, I mean, I used to read 100 books a year easily. Yeah. But I'm painting... A whole lot more now than yeah, I am. Yeah, I read a lot more when I wasn't knitting. And I can do both at the same time, but it's not ideal. Yes. And the and pres- presidential biography. Yeah. We I had haven't big... done that. Well, I had the No Ordinary Time. The FDR. The FDR and Eleanor Roosevelt one. But I still have to... I still want to read her newest, the leadership one. The Doris Kearns Goodwin. Oh, leadership one okay so that's on my to-do list yes <laughs> along with my plans to finish the John Adams biography but that's been on my list for six years so well that is not coming yeah. on vacation with me because that is a brick <laughs> but we have made progress on the bingo I'll do a quick reminder to enter you need to post a picture of your bingo card with a completed row horizontal vertical diagonal Use the hashtag CCRR Summer Bingo 2019. And if you're not sure that we're following you, please tag us, Craft Cook Read Repeat, so we can make sure that we get that entry. The final date for entries is September 2nd, 2019. And pictures documenting your completed squares are not required, but we would love to see them. Yeah, we love hearing your stories about it. And so many people are... Just doing really cool, inspiring things. And we definitely have one finished... Yeah, we have a bingo row bingo from row Trish. Bingo row from Trish, yeah. Who and, has been posting many, many and excellent. her heirloom recipe story was great. That she was made fabulous. something that her papa had made, and yeah. they had a great recollection session over it. And yeah. I, you know, as, as random and arbitrary as a bingo sheet can tend to be, it's so much more meaningful when you're getting something out of it and and I'm just that made it totally worthwhile hearing that one story from Trish so thanks Trish and if you need a card it is available on our Instagram in our stories um, if you are technologically inclined if you are less technologically inclined you can email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com and we will send you a pdf copy that you can print out and write on and do whatever you like to it What progress have you made? Well, I am reading several things by authors of color. The Nell Painter and the Joy Joy Harjo. And I am also reading alternative formats, these memoirs. But the other thing, and I don't even think I'm going to take credit for that, for the alternative format. My two favorite magazines are Flow, which is, I think, a Danish publication, and Uppercase, which is a Canadian publication. And if you don't know these two, get thee to a bookstore stat. I have They're a subs- beautiful looking. I do not know them at all. I have a subscription to Uppercase. It is, there's a lot of needle arts in here. It's not just visual arts. It's needle arts and uh, storytelling and painting and collections and ceramics. And I love Uppercase. It's great. And then Flow is, their tagline is, is celebrating creativity, imperfection, and life's little pleasures. And this is all different kinds of stories about artists and creators and oh, just great illustrations and photography. And this particular issue has a whole article about the joy of podcasts. And which podcasts they're highlighting. There's a little list in here, which is so fun. That's that's two things that I want to point out. My other entry on my bingo form is for read a book about a craft of your choice. And I picked up two books about jewelry making, which is something that I absolutely love to do. One is the Jewelry Recipe Book by Nancy Soriano. This has been out for a couple years the cover necklace is amazing. Re, re, I know it's repurposing a chain, stringing some beads, and adding a vintage rhinestone pin, and it's just fabulous. 
And then the other one is make a statement, 25 handcrafted jewelry and accessory projects by Janet Crether and Katie Covington. This one also is a couple years old. And I actually, at one point, pulled together all of the, the findings for a necklace that is somewhere in here that I have been meaning to make. And I re-borrowed the book from the library so that I could finish that. And that would be a finished project. Cool. They both look very interesting. So I'm excited. The bingo card inspired me to, to re-investigate yeah. a little bit of jewelry making. And that actually reminds me I had bought a kit to make a bracelet that involves beads and yarn so I, I feel like that oh. could be my new start a new project or try a new medium try, or technique yeah, that's the one because that Great. one was, I was kind of stuck on but if I and I've been looking at that pattern for years and years and I finally bought the kit and good that'll be good so I'll just have to remember to do that for reals I made the heirloom recipe that was my hot spaghetti and cold tomatoes great which was exciting I read something that you recommended, The Cuckoo's Calling. I read something that my husband recommended, which was The Three-Body Problem. I made s'mores over a campfire. I think I posted a picture of that one. Yes, you did. I read an award winner, The uh, American Marriage. I read By the Water, posted a picture of that. <laughs> so I finished The Bottom Row. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Great. So that Bravo. was fun. And then, um, yeah, so I'm gonna keep working. I've kind of done all the easy ones and I'm ones that I have to sort of actually think about and work in. So looking forward to that. I think when I'm back in a few weeks, I have a little collection of things in this prize box for our drawing when we're done yes. with the bingo. And I think maybe I'll post a little Some teasers, teasers about what's... Yeah. What and I don't actually know what's in there, so I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing... I think that's it for now. The next one, there will be one in about two weeks. As you may have noticed, we are going to both be on vacations. And so it might be a day or two late, but there will be an episode 20 coming right about the time it should. So that'll do it for now. Thanks, Monica. Make sure to do something you love every day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or courtneysf, that's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.